Hey, guys. that was quick. All right. As you come in, you know the drill. Drop that emoji into the chat that signifies the mood that you're in now. Now, you guys see my mood today, right? Um, he's a little sick. He's a little under the weather. What does that mean? That means that I'm sick, but I'm still here for you guys. Um, <laughs> while everybody else was off work uh, having a good time Monday, I had the pleasure of being in the hospital the entire day. And most of the, well, the entire day. I'm good now. Uh, a lot of people called and checked on me, so I appreciate that. Heather said it's almost time to get her drink on. That's what kind of mood she's in. Well, all right, Heather. Um, Heather, what are you drinking? Another Friday, another fun-filled episode of the Friday Frosters. Joe and Kelly, how are you guys doing today? Um, I am sending a message right now. <laughs> <laughs> you, we're going to do an episode about your hospital bill when you get it. Because oh, I got geez. my sons, and my daughter did like a Insta TikTok or something for like an hour, almost ten grand. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm very afraid, Heather. No, I, I don't have the COVID. Um, fortunately, I've been lucky enough to not get it at all. Now, Pozo is kind of upside down happy today. Um, I like upside down cake, but I don't know about. <laughs> Alicia. You guys get all the cute emojis. Yeah, Alicia is happy. Ooh, yes. German liquor. Yes, Heather. That is, yes. The next time I'm in Jacksonville. Yes, absolutely. 100%. All right, guys. Another Friday, another show. And as promised, this one is going to be fun. <laughs> so you saw the trailer for the first story, The Booster Club Bandits. Let's just get right into this one. Allegedly, a Charlotte couple stole, stole about $200,000 from a high school booster club and then use fraudulently obtained COVID-19 relief money to cover it up. So we got a lot of stuff going on because we've done a lot of stories about COVID-19 and PPP loan fraud. And we've done a lot of stories about small nonprofits and governmental agencies having fraud. Now we got the best of both worlds here. So here's what U.S. attorneys are saying. They're saying that between 2017 and June of 2020, the couple, so they were a married couple, they embezzled at least... $200,000 from the Booster Club by writing checks to themselves for, well, reimbursements is what they said they were. They also wired funds directly from their personal bank account, and they used the Booster Club's debit card and credit card to pay for personal expenditures. Now, you're probably thinking, what kind of personal expenditures did they pay for? So just hold on tight. Because, you know, they were probably a poor family that just needed money. And that's why they resorted to stealing. Right. So, I mean, you know, they really needed tickets to the Charlotte Hornets basketball game. I mean, that was extremely important. Um, they also needed to buy a trip to London because that was just extremely important. And that's according to a federal indictment. Uh, so, again, everything is alleged right now. We don't know how true all of it is. But, you know, the government seems to have some of the paperwork now. Get this. 
the husband, he was a certified public accountant and he attempted to cover up his alleged misdeeds by using COVID-19 relief loans that he fraudulently obtained according to investigators. Now, here's where it gets real interesting. He applied for three COVID relief loans. Two of them were under the Paycheck Protection Program, you know, like the ones that we talked about in Colorado uh, on like the second or third episode. So for two of those loans, one he got in the name of the Booster Club and then the other he got in the name of his CPA firm. Now, the third loan was what they call an economic injury disaster relief loan. Uh, and he got that from the Small Business Administration on behalf of his firm. So now, according to the indictment, all three of those loan applications contain false information, including fake revenues, fake payroll, and fake employment data. So again, as a result, they're saying that he received more than $236,000 in COVID relief funds. Um, so now, after receiving that money, they're saying that he used those funds to pay for personal expenditures as well as to cover up the booster club theft. Kelly, Joe, I mean. Well, at least he tried to pay it back. <laughs> <laughs> they all say they're going to pay it back, but he attempted to. Most of them don't do another fraud to cover the other. Well, not most of them. Lots of them. Well, it's so. like a Ponzi scheme, right? All of a sudden we have a, a steal from someone else to give back to someone else a little bit. Yeah. Again, this is just, a, it's another example of, it's a booster club. You're having to tell your kids that nice couple, the really fun one who dances a lot because we've seen them on Facebook dancing, um, they stole. And maybe your kids are friends with their kids. Like, it's a rough lesson to learn at that age. It is. Now, Pozo is saying a CPA. No way. See, now, Pozo, we're friends, and I know that you think all CPAs are like me, but they... <laughs> I'm sorry. That was just a joke. Um, You know, here's the deal, though. This thing is 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 a lack of controls, and it's the same thing that we talk about every single week. According to the, the documentation, he had full control over the bank account. He was the treasurer for the Booster Club, and his wife ran the uh, concession stand, I think, and one of the stores. So the family, they literally kept it all in the family, right? From an employment standpoint, from a theft standpoint, I guess the family who steals together stays together, maybe, possibly. I, I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you guys think? Oh, you never know with these ones. I don't know. Kelly, you have way more experience with these ones, these types of. You know, I was. Students. I just did an, uh, a Great Women in Fraud podcast ep episode with um, a former federal agent. And uh, she, you know, was in charge of a case where a guy stole $10 million. And I said, did the wife know? And she's like, in this case, the wife didn't know. She doesn't think the wife knew. Um, just because he had a high level of like career and, um, you know, he worked for Gulfstream. It's all public record. And um, but like in this case, it's probably more likely that she probably did know just because she sees her husband's business. The other woman and my podcast, 
you know, her husband's a CP, he's a CFO for a major corporation. Of course they can afford to like live in a $5 million house. Right. But let, let's go back to something that Heather said. Heather said he defrauded the government to give back to the booster club. Now, oddly enough, <clears throat> the documentation says that, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. The indictment states that uh, he committed tax fraud by failing to report any of the embezzled funds on the couple's joint 2018 and 2019 tax returns filed with the IRS. So now here's the part that's not funny, because I think that's kind of funny. I mean, the government will get you if you steal money and not report it on your tax returns. I mean, so if you reported it on your tax returns, then maybe you would have gotten some leniency. Uh, but it just goes to show you Uncle Sam always gets his money. Uh, but. <laughs> but it says that both he and the he and his wife are charged with wire fraud, which carries a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison and a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine. And their attorney, Christopher Young, he represents them. And he said he wouldn't comment on the case, but he urged everyone to keep an open mind. And he said they are very nice people. They are very nice people. And as the legal process runs its course, Everyone will find out more. So I'm one. I'm wondering what more are we gonna find out? Is there more money that they stole? Or okay, that was bad too. That was bad. I'm I'm sorry. Well, I when I read that, I immediately thought of Kelly because she always says like even good people steal. Um, and how much do you want to bet? Like they are covering for a sick sick parent or a sick child or something like that's probably the more to the story that that's where my mind went to our common rationalizations what's going on in their lives that i i bet he thinks they're going to get a little sympathy from everyone that's, oh, that's a good point that was my gut reaction when i read it <laughs> michelle says what kind of income would you put that to you know, that's a good question I, you know maybe you have a line on your uh statements that says uh Secret account. Yeah, that's it. It's the secret account. That's that gift. Well, Nathan Mueller, who stole eight and a half million, he's like the only, and he was a CPA, he's like the only one who paid taxes on a stolen money. And this also goes to why um, statistics on white collar crime are so bad. So they did charge him with wire fraud, but they charged him on the failure to pay taxes on the stolen funds. That's not embezzlement. That's not, you know, so. If you were doing a background check on someone, for example, it's like, oh, they did, you know, it's just a tax case. You know, they had a problem with the IRS. Everyone has a problem with the IRS. It messes up the statistics. There isn't even an embezzlement statistic anymore because it's really much easier for law enforcement to say, well, you guys didn't pay taxes. How did they get Al Capone? Yeah, yeah. They got Al Capone on taxes. But, you know, you you bring up a really good point, because if you don't know the backstory, when he uh, serves his time and gets out, people who look up his background and see, yeah, it was it was a tax thing. They'll say, oh, it was just a tax thing. Everybody hates the government and paying taxes. So, yeah, we'll hire him again. I mean, I, I doubt it if he'll be able to be a licensed certified public accountant ever again. But. He could do uh, financial consulting and things like that. And you're right. It would show up. It wouldn't show up as the crime he actually committed. It would show up as tax. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a very good point. Can I so ask I, another question? Um, so when I see a lot of these and not this, these cases, it's 
you, they're getting people on mail fraud or wire fraud. Is that kind of similar? I mean, Kelly, you, you probably know more about that just from a, like, what do we, like, let's talk about Elizabeth Holmes, right? Like, it's like, what, why are we getting them on wire fraud and not the actual fraud that they did? Is that because it is so difficult? This is just me not knowing how it's prosecuted, but. Yeah, it's kind of um, low hanging fruit. And, you know, if you make it too complicated for the jury, the jury's just gonna, you know, check out. So yeah, and actually this last, and I need to do a LinkedIn post, but I have to have it approved by my friend. This two weeks ago now, um, a friend of mine's best friend uh, was in the paper for stealing $23,000. And my friend is devastated like devastated beyond belief. She's lent her money. She lets her stay in her house, blah, blah, blah. And so she when she called her over and said, hey, we need to talk about this. She's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to get a job? She goes, oh, it's just a misdemeanor. And all the job applications say, have you been convicted of a felony? That's the problem is a lot of cases get pled, like small embezzlement cases get pled down to a misdemeanor. So she said, she goes, I can apply for jobs because I didn't, you know, I didn't cop to a felony. I only cop to a misdemeanor. I don't want to say it's lazy on law enforcement's part because we do need to get, you know, the system needs to move forward. Um, and maybe she's just like, I'm not copping to a felony. Take me to trial. And then they're like, well, let's just give her a misdemeanor. So uh, that's why statistics you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to your point, Thomas says, Hey, Al Capone was only guilty of tax evasion. Everything else is just speculation. And, you know, it, it, it does bring up another interesting point because it would make me think, did you not have enough evidence to think that you could get a conviction? And is that why you went with the lesser charge? I don't think I think it's like it's horse trading. Okay. It's yeah. kind of like horse trading. Because we've got to get the system, people through this system. So it's kind of horse trading. Ah, yeah. Well, it, but, it, but it also reminds us of that story we had a few weeks ago of uh, the woman with the ballet company where she stole from them, went to jail, got out of jail. Then they hired her right back again. And then she stole from them again, of course. But, uh, you know. That's one where I can victim shame. Yeah, yeah. Now, Pozo <laughs> brings up a good point. Where were the board, finance committee, external auditors? Should these nonprofits outsource bookkeeping? Well, and the thing about it, so Pozo with booster clubs, it's just usually all volunteers. It's the parents of the children. And so there's usually a natural conflict of interest anyway. Um, and I, I'm here's what I'm betting. I'm betting this booster club said, hey, we've got a parent that's a CPA. We're going to have him look at the books. And that's what happened. And it just so happens that this CPA, um, well, he robbed them blind, allegedly robbed them blind. So, yeah, I, I don't think you have a big structure like a board. You have parents who sit around and talk about what they're going to do. And then they look at how much money they have. And then they do a bake sale if they don't have enough money. And then they cheer that they don't have to do a bake sale if they do have enough money. That sound about right, Joe. Yeah. And I, sorry, I was looking through my email for the email that the three of us received from a very kind 
watcher of Friday Fraudster. Um, Because it, it does, I think just what you said about them being a CPA, they're given this inherent trust. And what we need to remember in the back of our minds is that really shouldn't be there all the time. And I I just, I was bringing up the email because it said, this is a different case, but he said, this person said, perfect example of how even people who brag about how ethical they are do really stuff. And I think that's CPAs a lot of times. I think that's why a lot of uh, the CPA firms get in trouble. I think that this is this is the perfect example of you can't always trust the CPA. They're just like anybody else walking around the street. But I know well, you guys, around not trusting everyone too. I mean, I read you guys don't trust me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. In it this is last hard. in the last week, I have seen two Google alert embezzlement cases come through where the person manipulated the statements. So again, Adobe Acrobat. Um, and then I was just talking, not on my podcast, on another podcast about um, there's this really successful speaker, consultant, management guy. And he's like, every Friday, I get a call from you know my manager and he tells me how much is in my accounts. It's a phone call. He doesn't say, send me a report, He de- even though he could manipulate the report, but he should, he's just like, and I sit there and I think I'm like, well, this guy, I mean, I know how much money he makes. Like he makes a lot of money and he is trusting someone who he's had for a long time. He's like, oh yeah, every Friday I check in and I can see who, you know, how much money we have. He's not seeing it. He's hearing it. Exactly. That, that Yes, that is it. And Michelle makes a good point. She says that she was the treasurer for a Boy Scout troop that had a pretty big amount of money and she couldn't get someone else to review the bank statements. Yes, that is too much trust. And Clarence says that someone that you trust will always take and steal from you. Well, uh, just wait till they hear the next story, because I think the 10 years were what, like 35 years and 30, oh. 38 so it just goes to show like even length of service people do that all the time this absolutely person would never do it they've worked here 35 years i've seen it professionals mess with systems system code after working somewhere for 35 years this still happens it doesn't matter how long someone works there or how much you trust them and now guys so kelly found his website his Facebook, his Instagram, and his Twitter. So let's take a look. Here is uh, Sharper CPA, PLLC, where pure excellence in everything, that is their slogan. Um, <laughs> he says, here at Sharper CPA, PLLC, we are dedicated to you and all of your different accounting needs. We have been around for over 20 years. Our most important win is making you a happy lifelong customer. Now, on his uh, Facebook page, if I can get back over there, um, here's a fun video that he recorded um, in his office. So let's take a look at that and let's take a look at him partying down in his office. Y'all know what day it is. It's my favorite day of the week. That's right. 
we reckon with JJ Fad today. You know, it's Women's History Month, so we in here, you know what I'm saying, celebrating, getting lit, you know, loosening up. You know what I'm saying? Look, this is the funnest accountants you're ever going to see. You know what I'm saying? We get the work done, but we have fun too. So we want everybody to get up out the seats, relax, you know what I'm saying, and know that it's Friday. Truthfully, relax, relax. Yeah, we're getting down. It's my favorite day of the week. It's Friday, and you're rolling with Anthony Sharper. So he's getting down in the office, you guys. Wow. I don't want my Whoa. CPA to do that. Know what day it is. It's Friday. Say again. <laughs> I don't want my CPA to be that cool. I want my CPA <laughs> to be a nerd. <laughs> you want your CPA to be a nerd? Well. What are you saying about me and Robert? Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Really? You guys are nerds. We are just human. You are absolutely correct. Trust nobody until you find out why you should trust them. We call that trust but verify, right? <laughs> now, Pozo says a CPA getting lit in the office. That's a big red flag. I'm right there with you, Pozo. But, um, you know, apparently they were OK with this. <laughs> Debbie says, Debbie says that would that would not make me hire him. Yeah, I'm with you, Debbie. If I saw that on his Facebook page, and that was his fa uh, company's Facebook page, by the way, I'm I'm right there with you, Debbie. If I saw that on a company's Facebook page, I would not want to go to your office and party with you. So, but we do know Friday's his favorite day of the week. Uh, we do know that he is um, alleged to have stolen a couple hundred thousand dollars. Now, you know, I want to go back to something that um, was it you, Joe or Kelly? I think it was Joe talking about we're going to find we might find out something later that maybe they were taking care of a sick parent or something like that. You know, I usually hold out hope for stuff like that. But there have been so many cases that I've had to investigate where you look at some of the purchases that they've actually made. And their actual purchases give you a clue as to their lifestyle, if they just really, truly needed something or if they were just doing it because they could. I don't know about the tickets to the Charlotte Hornet games and uh, ticket to tickets to London. Ooh, I yeah. Doesn't sound like a family that just needed additional help. Um, sounds like a family that, well, saw an opportunity and. and yeah, well, <laughs> And the fact that they saw an opportunity with the PPP loans as well. And I think Pozo just asked, was this firm a shell company? Was it, maybe you mentioned this already, wasn't one of the PPP loans like a made up or another company, not even that CPA firm? Because he submitted a couple PPP loans. So obviously he was working any system he could. Um, so it's, anyway, I just. So, yeah, so one of the PPP loans was for the booster club. So he actually got a PPP loan for a booster club. That's insane. And then the other two both were for his firm, but one was a paycheck, prote paycheck protection program loan. And the other one was an economic injury disaster loan. Okay. So uh, both club. That's what I, I forgot who the, what the other one was. for. You know, but that that brings another question. And I'm not being funny and I'm not trying to discount the importance of booster clubs at a school. But most times booster clubs are on a partially or mostly volunteer basis. How in the world were you able to get a bank to give you a PPP loan for a booster club? I'm just, you know, uh oh, I have, I have, I have an email 
that I received um, recently. Shall shall not person shall remain unnamed, uh, but they are from the First Presbyterian Church of wherever, and it says. Hello, Joe. I just read your article, Ethics and the PPP Loan, and I was wondering if there was a follow-up to it that explored, what if you applied and received the PPP, but months later weathered the storm? What then? Asking for a friend. So I thought, you know, this is kind of, I was wondering where I could slip this in to get you both of your thoughts. Um, and I sent my thoughts already, and I actually sent her a copy of my book. But that just, it, I just felt like that was a perfect point because obviously this is maybe a church that applied for a PPP loan. And I don't know all the rules for nonprofits or, so maybe you guys have some insight into this, but I thought what a great question. What a, I love getting emails like that. So yeah. I, I, love, I love anybody's thoughts that's on the, that's watching this or you guys. You know, I'll, I'll give my opinion. I mean, honestly, if you get a PPP loan and then all of a sudden you uh, realize that you don't need it, you should just give it back. Shake Shack did, only not. I mean, they gave it back to the public pressure. Yeah. So yeah. I think there is a mechanism to do it. Yeah. yeah. I think the government should like make that mechanism easy or at least people can find it easily. Um, yeah, and I think therein lies the problem. Um, yeah, there could be some self-reporting um, mechanisms. However, um, you know, to me, it, it should flush out in the forgiveness, right? Because if you send in all your documentation to have the loan forgiven and they show that you did amazingly well, are they looking at that in the forgiveness process? Like, I, I don't, that, I was just wondering if it would flush itself out or if that's what the government was thinking would happen. But I think for some of these smaller loans, it's not going to get caught. You know, this church probably didn't get much if I had to get, guess. You know, here's what's interesting, too. Out of the stories we've covered, we've only covered the beginning, the distribution of the PPP loan funds. We've not even talked about the forgiveness aspect. So that's probably the second wave of fraud that's going to hit. Yeah, we. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we haven't even yeah. I mean, they're still in the midst of the first loan. Yeah. And I haven't even heard that many have gotten forgiven yet. So who knows where they are in that process? Well, unless you live in uh, which was the state that we covered where the governor decided he wasn't going to go after the, the criminals who stole from the PPP loan program. Was that Colorado or was that uh, was that Washington? employment fraud? They weren't going to go after. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, that was unemployment. You're right. Uh, I'm getting the stories all confused now. But so um, many frauds in so little time. Right. I mean, this is I mean, it, it's good for us, bad for the government. And well, it's kind of bad for us, too, as citizens, but good for us as show host. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we'll always have things to talk about. That's for sure. Oh, goodness. Yes. So that is our first story, you guys. Um, as I called it, the Booster Club band, Bonnie and Clyde, a husband and wife team. They teamed up and, and allegedly, <clears throat> allegedly stole from a booster club. So that brings us to the part in our program where we talk about ourselves a little bit. If I can get my information together here. Joe Book Club. Yes, same thing as always. June Book Club's not till the end of June. So you guys have a couple weeks to join. It's June 24th 
We're talking about the book Think Again by Adam Grant. If you haven't read it, it is awesome. Uh, I switched it from a personal development CPE to an auditing CPE. So it's going to give you that technical category of uh, field of study for CPE because I, after I've read the book, reread the book, I realized how much it, it relates to auditors. So if we've got our internal audit friends on and anyone else that wants to hear about that book, please join us. Nice. Kelly, what are you up to? Um, just, oh my gosh, I've had so many amazing guests recently on Great Women in Fraud, the podcast. And um, doing that, I will be on Joe's Book Club. The Great Women in Fraud community is continuing to grow. And uh, I think that's it. Now, if we want to learn more about the Great Women in Fraud, how can we learn more about that? Greatwomeninfraud.com. Haha. -ha. See, Kelly makes it easy for us. Now, I want to talk to you guys about Friday Fraudster is now officially a podcast available on every platform except Apple. And you guys know how I feel about Apple. Uh, if you go to FridayFraudster.com, you will see a page with many of the podcasts. And I'm actually catching up. So I think only two episodes are out there now. They are also on YouTube now, one or two episodes. I'll be catching up soon. And um, as far as what I'm doing, I am I'm actually trying to recover this week because, man, this has been a bad week. But the Ask Better Questions boot camp is still going with two cohorts. I was going to start a third soon, but I may wait two more weeks to make sure I'm fully healthy so that I can give my boot camp participants everything that they need. If you want to know more about that, go to thatauditguy.com backslash bootcamp. Nine-week program, 18 hours of quality CPE. And with that said, let's hop right into our next story. Now, this one, you guys, you got to hold on tight to your hats here because I've got to give you the foundation for this one because this one has more twists and turns than, you know, a, a, a NASCAR event. So <laughs> the title, I'm titling this one, Pilfering Parks and Recs, Parks and Recreation. So something foul is happening in Philadelphia. That's all I can say. This one is involving three people, three different people. Two of them are actually related. Let's talk about the first person. The first person is an employee that spent about 38 years working for the city. 38 years. Man. I, OK, let me just tell the story before I jump right in. Allegedly, from 2012 to 2019, he engaged in a scheme to defraud Philadelphia out of about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars due to misusing two Citibank accounts that were established to support parks and recreation activities. According to prosecutors, he opened a bank account with a nonprofit organization, the Junior Baseball Federation. That federation partnered with the Philadelphia Phillies, which is a pro baseball team for those who don't know. They were supposed to raise funds for parks and recreation through ticket sales at Citizens Bank Park, which is the park where the baseball games were held. All right. So now investigators said that this employee used some of the funds from the nonprofit account to pay for personal expenses that he had racked up on an American Express card that he opened in connection with the bank account. So there was the bank account. Then there was an American Express card. But he also allegedly shared the account with uh, family members for other expenses, including uh, uh, groceries and um, other things. But then there was also a credit card. Uh, I'm sorry. Then the credit card debt was then paid down with funds from the nonprofit's account. 
All right. So last thing is allegedly he used the city's uh, program advisory fund account, which is meant to benefit parks and recreations and, and Philadelphia residents to pay personal expenses by transferring funds directly from that bank account to his personal account. So you had two different bank accounts going on. One, he transferred money from the bank account to his personal bank account. The other one, he used a credit card that was associated with the bank account and then used funds from an internal funding source to pay off the credit card debt at the other bank. Ooh, that's a lot. And this is just the first person, you guys. Kelly, Joe, what say you? So before, oh, I was just saying 38 years. Now you go, Kelly. (laughs) Um, Before COVID hit, I actually had two gigs with park and recs, like state park and recs. I won't say which ones. Um, And, you know, people are like, park and recs? How does that happen? (laughs) And uh, I'll give one quick example of how it can happen. So you have, because they're like, it's park and recs, you pay checks. So this is an example of how it happens. Someone who's in charge of the soccer fields, all of a sudden, you know, they're rented. And some soccer team comes and says, hey, can you just leave the lights on Friday at nine? And then we'll turn them off. And here's a hundred bucks. Yep. And so everything is fine and good. And it goes on for years until that soccer, a soccer player blows his knee out. His attorney contacts XYZ Park and Rex and says, hey, we're suing you because of the divot on the field, you know, Friday at 930. And they're like, our fields are closed. And they're like, "Um, we've been paying 100 bucks every Friday for four years. And they're like, what? And stuff like that happens. Again, it's not audited. I mean, the Park and Recs are audited, but like, are auditors driving around to make sure that the lights are turned off and the gates are closed at that time? No. So, yeah, the friends and family program, Dan says. To your point, are auditors running around checking to see if the lights are off? They should be periodically. Um, When I was chief auditor at one university, we actually had a similar issue where uh, someone was charging people and was giving um, yoga or some kind of exercise classes on the property. And. While granted, you can charge your clients for services, but you were charging them. They were charging them to use our equipment as well. You can't do that. Um, But and we got wind of it. But, yeah, the auditors should occasionally go around and see if the lights are off when they're supposed to be off because these things happen. And Dan, always a, a nice, funny comment, friends and family program. But let me add another F to that. The friends and family fraud program. (laughs) (laughs) so hey and we got low keys here so low keys it's it's probably what it's late at night for you man where you are i appreciate you being here we're putting them to sleep (laughs) i hope not uh wanna yes it's good to see you too my friend good to see you too but you know so here's what really struck me as interesting about this story um it's just your basic bank reconciliation controls all over again that's all this one was. He had him. Isn't this the guy that had him sent to his home? Or is that? The oh, next? no, that's the second person. Oh, sorry. I jumped yeah. in. Because I'm like, that's immediately when I saw him. Like, oh, good. Big statement. Go into our home. Sorry. But get this. Let's go ahead and talk about the second person because the second person is the first person's brother. Aha. Uh-huh. So now our second person 
in 2011, it is alleged that the, the second alleged fraudster, who is the first alleged fraudster's brother, it is alleged that he opened a bank account and he claimed that he would be using the part that it would be used by the Recreation Advisory Council. Um, these boards typically support program development and maintenance and stuff like that at recreation centers. From 2012 to 2019, he allegedly misused the bank account by writing checks payable to himself. So that's kind of crazy. How do you get to do that? Uh, let me just finish this first. He concealed this activity by having the bank statements mailed to his personal residence and having another person act as signatory on the account. This is what prosecutors say. He would then forge this person's signature on the checks and note in the memo that they were for reimbursements for parks and recreation expenses. Now, they are saying that he wrote 102 checks to himself, totaling about one hundred and nineteen thousand dollars. We could yeah. we could ask that dreaded where were the auditors question because I think this one is fair enough to ask that question. You know, here's one thing that I've been noticing uh, lately, though, and I will say, well, Philly's not a small town, so I don't know if Philly has auditors, but I know there are a lot of small or medium sized municipalities that don't have auditors at all. I'm actually seeing a lot of federal contracts come up where they are looking for various firms or even individuals to do their internal auditing work for them. So I'm not sure if a lot of cities have um, a good appreciation for the work that a good internal audit staff can do. Um, I'm actually working on some proposals right now, trying to get some business with a few municipalities. So I should have looked that up, though. Where were the auditors? Because these this is just your bank reconciliations here. Yeah, I mean, I know this is just a piece of the big puzzle, but, you know, I mean, we, we've talked on the show about data analytics. Why are employees writing themselves checks? Like, I, I mean, I don't, I know that you can't always get that information very easily, like the payee when they're, you know, manual checks, but what kind of checks is this, are they using? Like this is, this just baffles me with the century that we're in and the technology that we have, that this type of stuff is continuing to happen. Well, and this makes me feel old um, in that like, okay, so they're just writing checks. What about Venmo or ACH or EFT? These guys obviously are a little bit older, just given their tenure for the parks and recs. Yeah. Like, that's great and we need to pay attention to that, but we also need to be paying attention to Venmo and all those other sort of platforms. Um, we're always behind the eight ball. And so, you know, but maybe they're focusing on the higher tech sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Dan says bad and lazy management. Now, Clarence brings up a really good point. He says, to tell the truth, when he was a kid, he would they would ask the employees who ran the wrecks and the basketball courts and football fields to leave the lights on after they left at the end of the day. I must admit, I do the same, too. We would do the same. I, I think that happened. I think that happens a lot. And then they would come back later and turn them off. Yep, that would happen a lot, or, or not sometimes. Right. But yeah, that did happen a lot. And Pozo is saying, why did the bank open these accounts? 
Also, I think they were legitimate accounts. You know, I, I think the businesses probably needed them. It was the management, monitoring, and reconciliation parts that just really failed. Just yeah. failed. I think it's the tenure. It does all go back to, you know, I, I talk about those blind spots. We all have them in our ethics. This is kind of that group think or the one where we've always been doing it this way. You know, we've always trusted this person. Like, I, I think, you know, I talk about blind spots when it comes to authority figures or leaders that pressure lower level employees. I think it goes the opposite way too, a little bit in that some high level executives trust, they have a blind spot to their trusted long-term employees, right? So I never really thought about switching that up, but. Yes. And did I already say this? Yeah. Dan said bad and lazy management. Andy Kovacs, my man, Andy. So Andy and I are starting a show coming. Is it next week or week after next where we will be talking about communication and auditing and it's going to be live on LinkedIn. So look out for that. It's going to be fun because Andy is a what I would call a communications expert. So and he decided he wanted to partner with me. What was he thinking? And he says, bloody hell, this place is worse than Pawnee, Indiana. Indiana. Where's Leslie when you need her? You know what show he's talking about, you guys, right? Uh, Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's a funny show. That's a, good, that's a good one there, Andy. I like that. And he also says, great show, guys. But look out for Andy and I next week with our show. Um, Pozo says, pink collar crime expert. Kelly, yes, employees are opening accounts with other platforms. Someone told me that he'd opened a PayPal account or something for events. I've seen that, too. I saw that when I was uh, in higher ed as well. Uh, but if you are smart enough to pull the data, you can always look for payments made to and from PayPal and Venmo accounts, and you can question what those purchases are. Loki well, and from a couple of weeks ago where we had the dermatologist, she opened he she she opened the account and he thought it was closed for a specific conference. So, you know, and one of my biggest frauds, they uh, hospitality, you know, corporation thought they had closed an account and it wasn't. It's like making sure the accounts are closed. It's not hashtag. It's not rocket science. <laughs> But that brings up a great point. I love that we're talking about all these new platforms because it just it does just open the door to companies to really lose even more track of where where their money is. So when you get a list of accounts, you know, I've, I've seen companies that miss banks, whole banks completely. You know, I can only imagine now with the Venmos and PayPal's and Stripes and everything of the world, we're going to miss even more. Well, because companies or even municipalities, there's the whole friction. If you make it hard, people won't do it. Mm -hmm. And so they want to make it easy. So they want to reduce friction. But there's, you know, with a municipality, it's a little bit different. I think people are still going to pay for their kid to play sports. Whereas, you know, if you go on a website and there's friction, you're just going to hit another website. But municipalities, they do make need to make it easy for also what about unbanked people? There's a huge part of the, you know, country that are unbanked people. So, yeah. I mean, I've, I live in a pretty small town in Colorado and I've seen people walk into the rec center to find their kids up for soccer with a $50 bill because that's what we pay. Right. And so I, I totally 
I see that. And I mean, what is to keep that person from putting that $50 bill in their pocket yeah. and adding a kid to the team? Like I, I, I know that my little town rec center has fraud. I, I know it does. It has to. Yeah. I mean, and we're talking about truly a lack of controls altogether. And to make matters worse, oftentimes in, in towns like this, when you start to bring up implementing controls, people get offended because now they feel like you don't trust them. So you have that battle going on where you want to put in some good controls and you want to keep telling people that this can happen. And then you want to tell people to watch the Friday Fraudsters so that they can see what can happen. But it doesn't matter because they'll say, we trust our people. We've been living here all of our lives and we know everyone and they never steal from us. But see, right now we're talking about the city of Philadelphia. It's a fairly large city, right? Um, yeah, that that's just quite strange. Pozo says that unbanked people are getting ripped off at check cashing places with loadable cards, cash apps, et cetera. Yes. And, and a lot of times what people will do is they'll say, give me the cash. I'll give you a prepaid debit card. And, you know, that debit card won't have anything on it. Or there, there are all kinds of schemes that are happening now with unbanked people. Uh, I think now there's some different programs coming out that are designed to help them. But when you have a city or county government at play and then you have someone else giving them advice as well, friends and family members, and then you have them with trying to navigate all of that stuff, they still end up stuck in the process. So I, this is kind of a different, well, is it different? I don't know. I've just started binge watching the startup. Has anyone seen the startup? Yes. I It's on my list. So you have to tell me. Well, just the idea of like, you know, the unbanked or coming to this country where, you know, like um, Pozo said, people getting ripped off and, you know, the startup is there's all sorts of things in it and no spoiler alerts. But basically, it's the fairness of the banking system. The banking system isn't fair. And like cities and municipalities are for everyone. And so they need to make it accessible to everyone. Yeah, whether it's needing a kid's jar of money to be able to pay for that, you know, whatever, or yeah. So I mean, cities really need to be inviting for being able to sign people up. Yep, that that is the absolute struggle because how do you keep it where citizens want to participate? but also have good internal controls. And Lokish says, in God we trust, everything else must be verified. Alaba says, nobody wants to be controlled. Yeah, that, and that's, that's just so true. Now, Clarence says, when things go wrong, he always asks employees, managers, etc., who is approving, who is reviewing, who is authorizing. And in this case, I think it would be the same person, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. And then they get upset because they can't answer the question. Or is it that they won't answer the question because they know that the answer will get them in trouble? What about the third person, Robert? Are you going to tell us about the third person? Oh, boy. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Let's talk about the third person. So the third person was a food voucher coordinator for the Philadelphia Health Management Corporation. It is alleged that from 2015 to 2019, 
she stole $39,000 worth of food vouchers intended for people with HIV AIDS. So now all three of these cases were investigated by the FBI and the Philadelphia Office of Inspector General. So there you go. There were the auditors. Um, the first guy is charged with wire fraud and embezzlement. And if convicted, he faces a maximum sentence of 50 years in prison. The second guy, his brother, is uh, mail fraud and embezzlement, 30 years in prison. And the last person is charged with theft of funds from a program receiving federal funds. And if convicted, she faces a maximum of 10 years in prison. So what she was doing was she was just taking federal grant money for that was intended for this program and was just stealing the vouchers. So, you know, and you know how that works. A lot of times you hand the vouchers out to people. So either you're canvassing the streets or you have a central location that they're supposed to come to to get the vouchers. And typically you verify their information, although with an HIV AIDS program, I mean, you probably aren't verifying much because now you're violating HIPAA if you start to ask them to verify that they actually have HIV AIDS. So there's probably loose controls surrounding those vouchers. And she was just handing them out like candy, apparently, or taking them like candy. Yeah, I bet this happens a lot with these type of voucher programs. That's exactly what I was thinking. When I read this one, I was, you know, it's just like free coupons at a Chick-fil-A or a Starbucks or, you know, those employees have a lot of way with that kind of stuff. You know, this, and, and this is where I cringe when people think that this is little things that doesn't matter when it comes to our ethics, because this does turn into $39,000. Like you might never think that giving a free Starbucks is going to turn into big money, but this is how people start. This is how they go to their next job after they've given out a ton of coupons at their first job out of school and they escalate it. And then they turn into these type of individuals. And so uh, to me, this is where I always say, no matter how inconsequential it seems, you have to remember your everyday ethics because this is this is the starting point. I mean, some people would look at this and think this isn't even a big deal. And that just makes me cringe, not only because of the program that it's trying to help, because I'm a huge supporter of any nonprofit trying to help anybody or any, I don't know, any program. But yeah, it just, this one makes me cringe. Well, and now you have two brothers, it was two brothers or brothers-in-law and another woman. It's, it's going to grow. <laughs> like everyone's going to want their little piece of it. So whether it's, I want my piece or I'm going to tell, or I just deserve a piece or here's a piece to shut you up. Like, yeah. So that is or the tone at the top. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, there's no training on fraud. There's no training on ethics if so many of these Philadelphia city employees are finding loopholes. So can I plug training again, Robert? I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I think that's, like, that's the key. Like, there's clearly, Ellie always says tone at the top. There's a problem somewhere. Because there's a breakdown that, that this is happening more than once. I mean... We read these stories and it, you know, okay, like one, one bad apple, right? Well, this is three bad apples in one city in, in, in a, you know, a, a pretty big period of time. What else are they going to find now? Well, look at Boston and Massachusetts and the cops in the overtime. Oh, I mean, yeah. maybe we should do that because there's, I think there's some convictions actually coming out or adjudications coming out on that. 
the system there seems to be very toxic. And well, you know, honestly, this happens a lot in governmental agencies and nonprofits. And and I can tell you, I've been speaking to some people about a few uh, cases of fraud that that have been prevalent and let's just say kind of near and dear to me. And I have friends that work for a few governmental agencies where fraud has occurred. And I've talked to them and asked, hey, did you know that this stuff was happening? He said, oh, yeah, man, people all everyone knows where the holes are. And a part of the problem is people feel like they aren't getting paid enough. And so they just decide to go steal. And uh, and so that's that rationalization, right, that we always talk about. But also, they say that it's too easy to do it and they feel like they won't get caught. But there were a lot of people recently that got uh, caught stealing at a school board that I'm aware of. And I, I asked some of my friends that are school teachers and they said, oh, yeah, pe- people know where the holes are because it is so easy to do. And you find that a lot in governmental agencies. I, I'm reading uh, Michael Lewis's new book about the pandemic called The Premonition. And I'm not I'm like hundred pages into it. And um, <laughs> one of the things I liked in one of these stories, it's about a guy who was running the VA um, and Swiss cheese. He was like, just keep layering the Swiss cheese. So the holes eventually aren't holes. And I was like, oh my God, that is like genius. It was I like, it. yeah, I kind of thought that was just layer it with different cuts of the Swiss cheese and eventually there will be no holes. That's a great, I love that. That is great. Now, Dan says there's a hospitality company in Houston that will go after employees for a $25 infraction. All right. I don't think that's bad. That's a good tone, if you ask me. But yeah. yeah. Um, can I just mention, um, I don't know if you guys heard of this one. I've, I blogged about it. The Florida Coalition Against Domestic, domestic Violence. So... Um, they had a CEO, Tiffany Carr. If you guys are interested, everybody on listening to this, Google Tiffany Carr. Um, that, that's a, a case where the CEO was getting paid millions and millions in salary uh, that should have been going to the victims of domestic violence. So this one, I actually blogged about where are the boards in all of these nonprofits. So, um, you know, I know we're talking about municipalities and not really nonprofits today, but it, it puts a different spin on, it's not just the lower level people that are embezzling at, at these paces. Sometimes, you know, it goes a lot higher, right up to the top. So, you know, don't forget those executives too, was just what came to my mind with this one. Yeah. Now yeah. that you mention it, I remember this one and uh, has she gone to trial and been convicted yet? Um, so the last update, they're still trying to recoup money from her. I don't think she's in prison. Um, I think basically because the board approved her payments, there wasn't much they could do to go after her. Um, and all honesty, I haven't read an update on her in a while, so I'm pulling it up while you guys are. So, um, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I know they're trying to get some of that money back. Yeah. Um, God, it was a witch hunt. million over three years. What CEO of a domestic violence nonprofit needs to be paid $7.5 million? And crazy board approved that. I I know we're in a total direction, but I just, that one blew my mind. Yeah. 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 That one is insane. Now. Auditing deficiencies. 
Now let's 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 talk about some of the the lessons learned from today. And really, these aren't new lessons. It's still cash controls, segregation of duties, and please, the 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 newest one for us now, conflicts of interest. Because seriously, I think when you have two brothers working in the same general area, because they both were in parks and recs, if I remember right, I think that's probably a potential conflict of interest that someone needs to be looking at uh, in Philadelphia, that is. And I think with the husband and wife on the booster club, while that is not abnormal at all, I think that there should be an additional layer because, my goodness, that is a definite conflict of interest. Not to say that it couldn't work out well because you see husbands and wives doing it all the time because, you know, it's for the benefit of the kids. But you definitely want to have another layer of, of checks and balances there. Agree. I think any one of these are learning lessons again for all of us. Where we where we shop, you know, what cities we live in. I think it's just it's eye opening what's happening around us. CPA firms that we don't use. But he was getting lit on a Friday, so I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's about time for all of us CPAs to go do. <laughs> Ooh, goodness. Well. Guys, thank you for joining us. This was a fun one because we had about like what five stories wrapped up into one show where we usually just have two different stories. Um, I just want to say thank you to all of our regular folks. Dan, you make it a great show. Heather, you make it a great show. Alaba, when you when you're here, my man, you make it a great show. Lokish, we hope to see you again. Pozo, love having you here every week. And Andy, first time here or second time, I think. Glad to have you here. Hopefully you'll be back. Clarence, I do need to talk to you, man. I just want to see how you're doing. It's been a long time since we've actually uh, got on a Zoom and talked. So I was thinking about you the other day. My friend Yvonne is always here. So everybody, Michelle, Michelle is here. Yes, Michelle was here. So Debbie, uh, I saw Debbie pop in. Debbie. Oh, yeah, Debbie did pop in. There she is right there, Debbie Varga. So, so here's what I'll say. If you like this show, spread the word. Make your employees listen to it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> spread the word. It's on a podcast now. So check out the podcast. Uh, some stuff will be on YouTube. So check us out. Uh, we love the support. We love to learn, too, because you guys make it really good. I learn a lot from a lot of the comments that you guys have. Uh, Lokish says, thank you. You are quite welcome, man. Uh, you guys make the show what it is. We all have fun together. And with that said, Kelly and Joe, any last words? Have a great weekend, everybody. All right. See yes. you guys. Beautiful we here. Out.